0: Thanks, David. That was very interesting. I, um, I, I've always been absolutely amazed and even as, and now as totally astounded that the profession does not include animal values yeah. in our evidence. I mean, it, to me, it's just completely wrong, completely outside my remits of being a professional practicing mm-hmm. veterinary surgeon, completely yeah. outside my faith, beliefs, and everything else, really. Mm-hmm. Um, So, I I was challenged by this uh, when I did my professional doctorate in uh, in consultation skills. And my uh, advisor, academic advisor at the time, said, you can't have care in your doctorate. I said, well, look, there's no point in my doctorate if I can't look at care. Mm. You know, it involves all the stuff, the soft things you were talking about. Mm. That is the whole point. So, there is a method, there there are opportunities to explore it. Mm. Uh, I'd encourage everybody here and yourself to look at it because yeah. it is it is there. And as you, I think, alluded to, the humans, uh, medics, will do, do have been doing this for years. You know, they, they accept that their patient is the reason they're there. Mm. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: so I, I, I'm quite puzzled. I mean, why do you think the veterinary world has mm. refused to accept the patient or the client view?
1: Yeah, I, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's probably a, a uh, it's, it probably comes from the fact that we, that as vets, we're, we're heavily scientific in our approach, and so in certainly in undergraduates, undergraduate studies, we, do, we study a lot of science, and I think the, even though values may be implicit in what we do, I think it makes us uncomfortable to talk about values sometimes. And I think it, even though it underlies, or I've tried to show it underlies virtually everything that we, the reason that we do veterinary medicine is, is because we, you know, because of the intrinsic value of the animal. But I think it's a, I think it's probably because the, it's an, un, it, people can see it as an unscientific pursuit.
0: Yeah, I'd certainly argue that it's, it's, it is not unscientific to look at qualitative analysis of those yeah. values. And I think that's what we need in our profession. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Presumably sometimes there's a conflict between the, the owner's uh, values and the, and the animal's values. Yeah. About the dog, yeah. you know, is it longevity or quality of life.
1: Yeah. I think it, I, I, I deliberately didn't put the owner's, owner's stuff in this because I think it's, it, it, does com- it does confuse things. But certainly um, the medics have it fairly, fairly easy compar- <coughs> compared to us because they, they only have to consider the values of the patient. Well, not always, but in most cases. Whereas, yeah, owner values is another layer of complexity to add, um, which, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we've all, it, we can conflict quite, quite severely with what's best for the animal. But it's actually an argument for a more paternalistic approach to veterinary medicine, which is yeah, something that, uh, something that is, is tempting, but comes with, quite, with risks. If, if, because it, it relies on the individual having the, the patient's best interest at heart. So it's difficult.
2: Uh, just some comments. Um, on one side it suggests that you thought that well-being and welfare are, are different things. I'm not sure that I see what the difference is. You yeah. talked about subjective and objective as almost like they're binary, they're one or the other. Mm. It's a spectrum, and the objective of EBVM is to push what things we can to nearly objective extreme as, as is feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the times was sort of slightly talking about statistics as if they were not reliable. Statistics are very good. The problem is their application, which is often very poor. Mm. Um, you didn't mention the five freedoms, and I wonder whether that should come in with your consideration of, of welfare. Um, and you said that animal, you don't think animals consider and I think of our six-month-old lurcher pup out in the garden, and you call it, and it looks at me, it looks at the other dog we have, and am I going to come in? Am I going to play with that? brawl with the other dog? Am I going to do go around the garden and the box hedges like a cross-country course, belting around? I'm sure it's considering my wife's horse. Well, if I call it, it'll look up and then carry on. If my wife comes, it'll think, ah, oh, yes, it'll come trotting up because they have a little love in and nuzzle together and, and she obviously loves that. So mm-hmm. I get the feeling she is considering in a way. And the only other thing which you about, well, quality adjusted life years, which I think is interesting. Mm. Is this an inverse of the cumulative suffering that we talk about in laboratory animal uh, usage where it's not just the intensity at one time, it's actually over the, the lifetime of the animal, what the cumulative suffering is? this, as it were, an inverse, relationship, in, an inverse version of that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think the, I think the quality of, of, of life scores are, are something that we've been, as a profession, certainly clinically, we've been fairly slow to adopt. And I think it probably comes from... It's, I think it's a difficult concept to define, um, but that doesn't mean say so we shouldn't try. Um, regarding welfare and well-being, yeah, uh, there's, there is... The, the, essentially, there is, there, is, there, is, there is no difference between the two. But, but some people will say, from a um, you know, from a definition perspective, and certainly I think Don Broom has done a little bit on what welfare means in different languages. It's, it's interesting, but I think it's relevant to this.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I, I have a question, and it's um, alluding to some literature. Are all pigs equal? Um, you you solely mention. Um, companion animals, where I can see a strong relation between human medicine, let's say child or or baby uh, medicine, where they also cannot um, say what they wish, uh, and and companion animals, but but how do we think about the welfare and the well-being in these kind of values? But I would really love to take them into account as well when I'm doing, uh, let's say, production animal medicine. How would you suggest we would incorporate that? Because I think a lot of our students would also love to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the concepts are applicable across, but I think we, with production animals, there is, I think the, as you we were just saying, I think the the owner's values and the way they perceive their cows or pigs is is, is probably more of a consideration. So, and then, you know, that I think as I touched on, they, we tend to farm animals tend to have an extrinsic value rather than be viewed as having an intrinsic value, and I think the. Changing perceptions of that is difficult when they're, you know, they they're used <coughs> for economic purposes. But there's no reason why they why they shouldn't be seen as to have intrinsic value. And I think, um, I think, I think, I think the concepts are perfectly applicable whether we whether we think they've got extrinsic or intrinsic value. And I think just, you know, I, I think we we have to be aware, of, certainly in production animals, in that we've. I think perfectionism doesn't work in them because we've changed them so much genetically and then in their production methods that they're not they're not similar in enough of a way to their you know natural predecessors. And so I think we have to look at them from a hedonistic perspective. And there's no reason why why we can't allow our farm, farm animals to flourish whilst using them for productive means.
0: You gave examples from uh, clinical medicine, but mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the ethics of prospective studies?
1: Um, I, th- <laughs> yeah. I think I think it depends on what what we're looking at um, in prospective studies. Um, I think I think I think the problem is with prospective studies. This is this is a this is a epistemological problem which feeds into the ethics is that the amount, the amount of information we can get from prospective studies is more limited than what humans can get. Especially in companion animals where we're normally looking at an incredibly select population of either one breed or one dog, or in the one breed of dogs, such as in the mitral valve studies, they're all done on Cavaliers now. The applicability of that to, across to other breeds um, is questionable an extent and I think because because of that because the yield that we can get from prospective studies um, and the the restrictions that we normally have to place on animals in, in in prospective studies which are necessary in a way in order to get results which are reliable I think the I think um, they have to be very well designed to be ethically acceptable and certainly if the interventions are harmful. So I mentioned the mitral valve valve study into surgical repair, and it looks fantastic. It's a 90% success rate, and then at the bottom of the study it says in the footnotes that the first 50 animals actually died and they're not not included in the analysis. (laughs) So in the mitral valve repair, which we're starting, we're starting to do in this country, there's a footnote in the paper which says the first 50 or so animals that we did died, and, but we've not included that in the analysis. <laughs> so, and so I think, it's, I think generally, I think, you know, it, because of the diversity of our patients, I think uh, retrospective studies can have a, a very strong um, epistemic yield in our profession, probably more so than prospective studies in many cases.